Hey, what's up? What's up? It's your girls. I'm Rissy and I'm Shelves. And this is the podcast I totally relate. You guys, welcome back to I Totally Relate. I'm Rissy. I'm Shelves. And we have an amazing guest with us today. So we're sitting down today with Missy, who is a teen mental health coach. And we are so excited because a lot of what we're working with this season is who is she? And we're trying to, we're asking all these questions to find out who we are and get to know ourselves. Mm -hmm. And what I feel like is really cool is there's a a time in our lives, like those really um, formative years where you know, you're kind of out in the world as a teenager and you're trying to figure out who am I? And then, you know, we're kind of facing season three from like the stage of life we're in, right? Like I am a middle-aged woman with children trying to figure out who I am. And so I feel like the work that you're doing is so important because you're working with people while they're in that stage of life where it's expected for you to figure out who am I, you know, and you have all these outside forces, you know, Uh, peers, teachers, you know, your school environment impacting who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I feel like your work is really important and I'm really excited for you to be able to share what you know and what you've learned with our audience, not only to help heal our inner teenagers, um, but to help our younger listeners and to help the parents. Because I know that's what you you work with teens and their mothers as well, right? Yes. Yes. I think supporting the parents is absolutely vital and really helping the teens come to where they need to be like Mm -hmm. having that support at home is a game changer yeah okay yeah okay wait hold on I have so many questions because (laughs) Carissa has had the opportunity to (laughs) yeah I'm lucky to get to know you uh Carissa and Missy met through a elevate networking group that is held by Pule at the shop eating K location in Pleasant Grove Beautiful. And like, so how long have you guys been doing this? Like what? Well, let's see. I've been going since November. I've been going since October. So okay. about cool. the same time. Yeah. So fun. So Carissa and Missy have had all of these hidden conversations from me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling a little left out. So there's like, I'm really looking forward to sitting down with you, Missy. Um, a few things first. Can you just tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself before we dive into the super important work that you do? Yeah, of course. So I have struggled with my mental health for a very, very long time. And that's really what led me to what I'm doing now. So mm-hmm. looking back, I see some signs of depression and anxiety coming up when I was 11 or 12, about fifth and sixth grade. And then in junior high, it got worse and I went on medication and just refused therapy, which like looking Mm. back, I'm like, oh, I wish my mom would just like made me go because (laughs) I wish I had that. And it was interesting. I actually just talked to her about this the other day and she said, I didn't know a good therapist and I didn't know people who had their kids going to therapy. And so I didn't know who to ask. And I feel like that's changed a lot, which I think is so great. But yeah, so I went on medication in junior high to help. And it helped, but I was still struggling struggling a lot. And then I went to high school. I met my husband my very first day of high school. We were high school sweethearts. And we've been together for nine years now. (laughs) It's been a long time, but I've known him for about 10. And then my mental health just got worse and worse to the point where I was suicidal and it was just, it was so bad. And I remember one night I, I got up to attempt and all of a sudden this picture of my mom and my then boyfriend came into my mind and I was like, I can't do this to them. And I laid back down in bed and cried myself to sleep. And that was such a turning point for me because I knew I, I never had like a bully really Or, you know, nothing like that. Like, I struggled with my self-esteem and obviously my mental health, but I had people that loved me, and ultimately that's what saved my life. And so I really decided from then, like, I need to help teens. Mm. I have to help teens. And so I went off to college and got my degree in psychology, planning on going. I kind of switched around a little bit on what, how I wanted to help, what direction I wanted to take. And I did my, my internship my senior year of college back at my high school with my high school counselor and it was so much fun he's amazing like seriously amazing like the person that will stand out in the halls and like 
talk to all the kids and kids that aren't even in his in his alphabet group like they come to his office just Mm -hmm. I need a safe place to be like he's amazing and so Mm -hmm. I learned so much from him and so that was my plan with school counseling and then I got pregnant (laughs) so (laughs) all that kind of went on the back burner because I wanted to be at home and thought you know maybe when all my kids are in school I'll go back get my master's and then go that direction and so that that summer I got pregnant and kind of life life changed a little bit my mom found coaching. For those of you who know the coaching world, Joni Moore is a really popular mm, coach. Yeah. So she found her. That was like at the beginning of her podcast. What What about if we don't know what coaching is? Can you like what What can be expected with that? Okay. Term? So there's a lot of a lot of different <laughs> things it can be. So okay. I I use the same kind of modality that Joni Moore does, and so we use what's called the model. And the idea of the model is we have a circumstance and circumstances are neutral, meaning they there's no differing opinions on them. It's a yes or no, very black and white thing that's happening in your life. Okay. And then we have a thought about our circumstance and the thoughts, that's where we put meaning into it. So for example, you're mad at your husband. Okay. Your circumstance is my husband said this, not my husband was so rude and did this and this and this. Like that is a thought. The fact that he was rude is a thought. Mm -hmm. What Mm. he actually said is your circumstance. So we provide meaning with those thoughts and that our thoughts lead to emotions. That's where our emotions come from. We don't just become angry, become frustrated, become happy even. It's because of the thoughts about our circumstances. So we have this feeling and then feelings lead to action. So you yelling at your husband comes from a feeling of anger or frustration or maybe ignoring your husband. That's where <laughs> I tend to go is I back off and I, you know, silent treatment. Um, but that's, that's where our action comes in. And then our actions determine the results we get in our life. Mm-hmm. So coaching focuses on if we can change our thoughts we can change our results. That's kind of the because like, the we can't change our moment. circumstances. No, mm. it's our thoughts. Because okay. even if so, again, let's say your husband said I, I don't know your husband said something that you determine as rude. You know I, I can't believe he said that. How dare he? Right. That's not gonna lead you to the feelings, actions, and results that you want. Oh. But you don't necessarily want to. You don't always want to say okay. I have no problem with what he said, like whatever, like like gaslight yourself. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Like uh-huh. that's not healthy either. But we can find this middle ground of like, I don't like what he said, but I'm still gonna show up in love, right? That could be a thought you could think, right? There's a, a million different things you could think instead. Mm-hmm. But that's where coaching focuses is okay, let's change our thoughts, not go straight to happy and like you said, like we're not gaslighting ourselves, yeah. you know, or even in in grief right? If someone close to you passes away, you don't just want to be like, oh, it's fine. Like, whatever. No, like, yeah, like those negative emotions are really good. They're healthy. You need those for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. But when grief shuts you down, when anger shuts you down, you don't want to be showing up that way because it's not leading to the results that you actually want in your life. So if we can find something that's in between, keep the thoughts that we want to think, the feelings we want to feel, but in a healthier light, Mm-hmm. that's where change can really happen. And it's so it's so empowering yeah. that, yeah. okay, I have control over that. You 100% control, have control over that. It's really hard. It's really hard work, but it's possible. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the power goes back to you instead of feeling like it lies in everybody else in every circumstance outside of you. Yeah. So, like, we can take our thoughts and put them towards the circumstances without, like, basically feeling like I'm bad right? Yeah. Yeah, Um, for sure. So do you notice that with teens, a lot of their messaging comes down to that? Like it does come internally, like where they are taking it personally? Absolutely. I think most of us do. Like that's kind of our natural programming where unless we, we step in and stop that, that's where most of us go. Unless you were brought up in an environment where that was taught completely different to you, like that's just where we naturally go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then we think that's just how the world is, that I don't have control over this, that anger happens to me, that life happens to me. And 
I'm just here. And I feel like especially as a teenager where you're not a kid, but you're not an adult. It's just like I have no control over anything. And like this just sucks. And (laughs) I remember thinking all of those things, right, where this gives you that control that you need to actually – to get the results that you want while still staying in the bounds of, okay, I still am a kid. Like I still kind of need to, yeah. my parents to back me up and to provide the things for you, right? It, it gives yeah. you that that middle ground of I still have control. And even as adults where sometimes it feels like life is so out of control. Like let's just take the last two years. Like we cannot control a pandemic, yeah. right? Yeah. Like yeah. that is happening to us. It is. Yeah. And we have no control over that. But I've talked to so many people where it was the worst year, years of their life. And then Chris and I were just listening at Elevate the other day where uh, the woman speaking said it was 2020 was the best year of her life. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you can see that's the circumstance, right? Of, okay, the pandemic is a circumstance. Mm-hmm. It's not good or bad, right? Some yeah. of Some of the best blessings in my life came because of things that happened during the pandemic. They did. And also, I have thoughts where it was really, really hard and crappy and sucky, and I hate everything that's happened because of it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's important, too, is we can have both, yeah. right? I feel very conflicted, oh. <laughs> right? I have both feelings towards the same circumstance. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Like, the, this ability of, okay, walk me through that. Like, I'm a teenager. I am frustrated I kind of like this, but I also don't. What? Because as an adult, I feel so conflicted when I have both because something in my brain wants to only have one. Like this can only be good or it can only be bad. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like this very black and white, all or nothing yeah. thinking. Yeah. Absolutely. I work with that so much. <laughs> what do you do? How do you combat that? One of my favorite ways to combat that, and it kind of depends on like the circumstance we're talking about, Let, but let's just take like a very common teen example like practicing the piano, right? Okay. Or a sport or, you know, okay. extracurricular activity. Let's say we have to practice for an hour, five days a week, right? Monday through Friday. And life happens. I have homework. I get distracted on my phone. I want to hang out with my friends and I only have 20 minutes. And that's why I throw in the towel because I can't do my hour. Like, might as well give up like what's the point of that like no (laughs) right that's where we can we can start making some changes because that's where we go into all or nothing thinking so one of my favorite things to do is use good better best so Mm. and making this decision beforehand right of okay my hour is what I'm that's kind of my expectation that's going to be my best right but sometimes I can only give it half an hour and that, that's a really good decision. And sometimes I've got 10 minutes to squeeze in because that's what happened today. That's how I chose to spend my time. And so 10 minutes is a good option, yeah. right? So we have this good, better, best hierarchy. And if we can make that decision beforehand, we make more decisions. We actually make like create more action, which leads to more results. So like, for example, let's just take this hour still of, okay, maybe once a week, I can only do it for 10 minutes, right? Let's say my Mondays are crazy and I have 10 minutes. Over the course of a year, if I miss out on that whole hour, how many hours am I missing out on? But if I give it that 10 minutes, how many hours do I add back in over the course of a year, Mm. right? Hours and hours, like Mm -hmm. obviously that makes a difference. I can't think off the top of my head how many hours that is, like six, something like that over the course of a year. Yeah. Like that's a lot. That makes a really big difference. So if we can get out of that decision fatigue and out of the all or nothing thinking and decide, okay, this is what I can do. This is a good option. That feels a lot better than I can't do it all. I can make a good decision. I have a good option. I can give it good effort. Yeah. And other days I have better and best effort. Yeah. Okay. I I love everything you're saying. I love the idea of uh, teaching our youth tools to have at their disposal so that they a know and understand what is in their control and what's out of their control yes and then having tools in their tool belt before approaching a rough situation situation. yeah like if i could go back and tell myself (laughs) something i wanted to hear like this is 
this is why what you're doing is so important. Okay, that's awesome. Missy, this is so rad. <laughs> yeah, okay, hold on. Uh, so many things are coursing through my head. Okay, first of all, Missy, I love children. I have, like, such a mm-hmm. passion for, like, youth and um, setting them up for success. Yes, I feel like we yes, I use that. that all the time. Just <laughs> what will set you up for success. Yeah. I love that. So tell me, what does a process look like within a teenager? So, like, does the parent reach out to you? Are you involved in school programs? Like, how are you finding these children? And then, like... So they're maybe coming in with, like, black and white thinking. You're kind of introducing. And, like, maybe, like, what is the exit? I'd love to have you walk me through, like, yeah. what your process okay. is or something like that. Because, like, I'm – I love the idea of setting children up for success. But it sounds like when you're coming in, you're having some sort of uh, intervention with them. Or, yeah. Because there is a struggle. So I love the idea of, of you telling our listeners, like, you know, a template of, like, what teens are struggling with, what they usually come to you with, and, like, how you can work through them. And then I'm really interested to know the work of the parent along that journey, too. Yeah. I mean, really, there's, like, a million different things to do because there's a million different tools that you can use, which is great because some things are going to work for some people, some things are going to work for others, and maybe different seasons of life I'm going to use different things, different tools to help me. Just kind of as a general rule – parents come to me that's that's where I'm getting my clients because really because they're the ones paying right like they they have to be on board the teen probably doesn't Mm -hmm. isn't going to be the one reaching out right just just like for therapy or for a medical something right it's like same idea where the parents are going to be the ones reaching out but hard and fast rule the teens have to be on board and this doesn't mean like super gung-ho like I'm so ready I can't wait to work on my mental health (laughs) But okay. they at least have to be open because if they're not, they're not going to do the work and it's not worth my time or their time or their parents' money. It's just yeah. not worth it. And so I'm not going to do that. How okay. do you determine? So, how- so, they have, so the, the teen has to give consent to be in this working relationship yes. with you. Yes, if, absolutely. Because it's not you doing the work. You can't work it for them. No, mm. no. I can give them – I could – talk their ears off I could get them all the tools under the face of the planet but if they aren't doing anything nothing will change yes it has to be on them they at least have to be have to be open like I said most won't be I'm just ready to do whatever I've had a couple like that which is great yeah sure but it's not the norm yeah. at all yeah. yeah okay but most of your work is working one-on-one one with yeah with, with a teen yeah, mostly working one on one, and then and then small group coaching, like okay. six people max. It's really really small, so okay. that they can really get to know each other and feel like that's still a safe place. Because it's in some ways it feels safer to speak in front of your peers, and in other ways, it's a little scarier. Yeah, it's more intimidating. Right? Like, oh, you know yeah. things about me now that I don't want anybody to know. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm I'm actually working on a new program right now where they're. That, that's a group coaching program and the parents have a call all on their own mm-hmm. of okay let's just get parents together let's talk through what you need to because like we talked mm-hmm. about before if the parents are involved if the parents are working on things if the parents know what's going on they're setting their teen up for success yeah and it's so much easier to help your teen when you've healed yourself yeah. Because really, we all could use some coaching, right? We could yeah. all use some mindset shifts <laughs> yeah. and yeah. changing and thinking like that's part of being human, yeah. right? It, it's our human experience is we have thoughts in our head that are determining our actions and results that we don't want there. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And that's that's what we spend a lot of our life working on is is becoming better in that area. And we become better than the generation before us. And and it's, it's not to say, like, you're a bad parent. Like, that's not it at all. Yeah. Not even close. But if you can start healing yourself, if you can start seeing, okay, this is what I can control. Because we we want our kids to act a certain way, mm. right? I would really love my three-year-old to stop throwing tantrums <laughs> and my one-year-old to stop throwing his whole plate of food off the <laughs> off the tray, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I get so frustrated. Like, how could they act like this? But that's not in my control. Yeah. That's not in my control. I can only control how I react to it. And mm-hmm. so if the parents can work on that of they cannot control their teen. Yeah. Right? You you Ooh. can you can be a really authoritarian parent. But 
that's not going to help your teen. And at the end of the day, they can still make decisions that you don't want them to no matter what you do. Yeah. And so you can control yourself and that's it. And so if we can start thinking about our teens in a different way. Yeah. That's when we can show up as the parent we want to be and probably the, t- the parent that your child needs you to be yeah. more. Yeah. Oh, that is, that's hitting so hard because I do feel like as a parent, you do feel like it is your responsibility to control your children. Like that's always what I thought. It was. I mean, I'm learning. I don't think that now, but I remember growing up thinking like, oh yeah, like get your kids under control. Oh like, yeah, you think that that's your the mom in the grocery store, yeah. and then you have that, and you're like, oh, you're like, oh, <laughs> that's cool. not how it works. I guess I'm all. never going to Costco again because we just had a meltdown in front yeah, of everybody, yeah. and that's really an interesting dynamic because you're working with the child, yeah. teaching them how to control themselves, and then hoping that that is reflected back to the parent. Yeah, yeah, and that when they can work on this together the environment becomes safer yeah and isn't that changing the circumstance right oh if if the teen is working they're getting different results it's changing the circumstance for the parent and in turn if the parent's working it's changing the circumstance for for the kids and so that's how we're setting them up for success you're setting each other up for success if you can both be working the circumstances change for both of you and it's it's easier it just is Right, when you have that loving dynamic, you're fine. (laughs) I didn't mean to cut you off, but Missy, I love how you are talking about this, like, circumstances to thoughts to actions to results because that's not a teen thing. Like, that is, like, a human thing. Yes. So it's not, like, not just what you're teaching the teens. And it's like, well, of course this is beneficial to the parents because as adults we have circumstances and thoughts and actions and so like teaching that process to work together in a relationship with teenagers which you know I don't I don't know teenagers seem like they could be really hard to parent (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) like Like they are our mirrors and they reflect back to you like when you look at them you see the parts of yourself that you're like don't do that (laughs) you know like yes and like oh that was me yeah Yeah, so I think that that is, and there's lots of things out there for moms, you know, like we, especially like in the group that we're in, like there are lots of people who are working out on at this from like the parental perspective. Yeah. And I think it's really um, special and precious that you're like, cool girl, you go help those moms. Um, I'm going to work with these younger human yes. beings. Yes, yeah. because can you special. imagine? Me too. I mean, I think most of us probably would not want to go back to our teenage years. Never. Mm-hmm. Right? Not, not in. No. There, there were some really good things. And then there's the rest of it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Then there's the rest of it. And I would never want to go back to that. And part of that is I had no confidence. Like zero, none. And most people aren't finding that until they're, if they're lucky in their 20s. I feel like I'm one of yeah. those lucky people that's. I've done a lot of work to get there, but I figured it out in my 20s. But most people are 30, 40, 50 or never figure it out. Yeah. But what if we could figure that out as a teenager? How different would those decades of life be Mm -hmm. before that? Like what Mm -hmm. difference could we make if we had that confidence beforehand instead of shying away from everything? And and that doesn't necessarily mean that – like I think everybody's journey is their own. Mm -hmm. And – where you are right now and how you got there and in the timeline you did is exactly how it was supposed to happen. But what would change if we could help these teens figure that out in their teens? Yeah. Instead of After struggling they have for teens. decades. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, and like, yeah. like if you could, um, from a young age, right, like if you, if you could start to realize like your thinking errors and, you know, your limiting beliefs and how your thoughts are aiding in the results that you're getting, if you could relearn to have a different relationship with your thoughts at a young age, the changes that could, that could be made, you know, obviously, like if you do work earlier the the more results that you'll have yeah. and so I and the even, easier it is yeah, right it's so totally. much easier to learn then than it is when you're very set in your ways yeah. and in your thoughts yeah well they talk it's about so like, much more language. to unlearn yeah like how like like when you're a kid like teaching a child a second language is so much easier to absorb than yes. like a 40 year old because like your brain is already developed and so if you could help so what I hear you saying is you're helping children 
rethink the relationship that they have with their thoughts in order to get different results. And that would have changed immensely in my 20s had I Mm -hmm. been thinking of things in that perspective, let alone what that could have done for my teenage years. Yes, exactly. And so getting practice with that, having that critical thinking makes sense that it would bring large changes for decades to come. Yes. Because that – this is the future, right? They are the future of everything Mm -hmm. coming. Mm -hmm. And yes, we can make such a big difference too, but it's it's these kids that are up and coming that are going to be shaping so much for the rest of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. And if they're coming from a place of self-love, if they're coming from a place of of these thoughts that are that are helpful and if they're learning how to work through their emotions instead of hiding them away or letting them all out onto everyone instead of yeah. processing them in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a difference that makes for e- even let's just talk like their kids, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Generations. Mm-hmm. It, it changes generations. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. You struggled with a lot of this stuff when you were younger. Yes. And then after you had found some tools that were useful and helpful for you, then you feel like, okay, I want to give this back to the youth in yeah. my community. Yeah. I want, honestly, my goal is to be the resource I wish I had. Yeah. Even, because like I said, I really wish I'd go to therapy, but I don't know how well it would have actually worked because especially at the time and it I feel like it's come a long way and I know a lot of teens are going to therapy and a lot of adults that are going to therapy mm-hmm. the mental health world is a lot more open than it used to be for sure yeah. holla but yeah. yes seriously like what a great thing but it's still especially as a teenager when that social pressure is so heavy yeah saying I have a therapist yeah feels so much heavier and harder than I have a coach Right. So even if it's just that first step into the mental health world and if therapy comes next, like if I can even just be the person that opens the door into more help, deeper help, like that's great. Yeah. Right. That would have I would have been much more willing to say I have a coach as a teenager and gotten that help and probably gone on to have to get therapy, to go to therapy, Mm -hmm. to be open to that idea because I shut it down every single time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what are some of the things that you see our teenagers are really up against? I mean, I, I was just about to ask for, that. for myself, <laughs> I think about like, oh my goodness, I am so glad we did not have social media when I was in oh high school. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, so not only would I not want to go back to high school, but I definitely would not want to have to do that now. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I'm old enough, like I'm pretty, I'm probably out of touch with like, really like what are, what are the teenagers in our community, like what are they up against? I I think you hit the nail on the head of social media. It Oh, my gosh. I I can't even tell you. Just the things that my clients tell me blows my mind. Really? And I had social media in high school. It it was more new, but it it was there. And it's not even the same world. I feel so far removed from it in a lot of ways because the things they tell me are just awful. They're really – it's so bad, and it's affecting their mental health – so immensely simply just because they've had it for forever yeah right where I got a social media I think I was in 11th grade or something yeah right where like my little sister's 17 she's a junior right now and her friends have had it since elementary school right right? and so they're growing up with it they're comparing themselves so in such a deep level in every aspect of life and they're seeing it constantly right like just think about a party you weren't invited to a party in high school and you'd been you would you wouldn't know you might know the next day but then like okay yeah but you see picture after picture after picture and go my friends were there Mm -hmm. and I wasn't right they're seeing that all the time with everything they do and I don't know if taking away I, I personally don't think taking away social media is the way to go because what happens when they move out? Yeah, we live in a world of social media. Yes. Like, we have yes. to adapt to you, it. You do, yeah. for sure, because – but you, as a parent, you have to provide this environment where your kids can learn and that 
that can't be sheltering them from everything because Ooh. what happens when they go out in the Ooh, world? Okay, um, I get it. I'm picking up what you're putting down. So the circumstances that we live in a world with social media, yes. it just is. And we cannot control that and take that away. And so our responsibility then is to teach our, genera- our next generation how to exist in this world and use it to our benefit without allowing it to deteriorate our mental health. Yes. Ha. Yes. Because so you use a when, on this. I got it. I absolutely. Got it. Absol- oh, you can use it on anything. <laughs> it's really fun when you start seeing it everywhere and you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Or, oh, here's how I can change this thought. Like, yeah. oh, I changed this thought. Like, look at these different results. It's so cool. It it's so cool. It empowers you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really absolutely. cool. Absolutely. So if we can teach our teens to... Like, let's just start with thoughts, right? Change their thoughts about social media. Change their thoughts about themselves. Mm -hmm. What a difference that makes. But then just using tools of, like, unfollowing people or muting. So my – I talked to my little sister because she didn't get asked to a dance in, like, the Sweetheart's Dance in February. And she was was devastated. Yeah. Yeah, And she had kind of put out this vibe because she was so worried she wasn't going to get asked. Like, oh, I don't even want to go. Right. Mm -hmm. But then she knew, but she did, she did. And she knew all of her friends were going. And so I said, Kay, I know you don't want to get off social media and that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. But mute, mute your high school friends for a week, right? Let them get all the dance pictures out Mm -hmm. so you don't have to see it. And then once your week is over, unmute them all. And then they all come back and you can see all yeah. the other stuff that mm. isn't going to trigger you. So knowing your triggers, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing that that's going to be a hard thing. And, you know, that that won't always work. But even if there's people, like I've gone through seasons of this person makes me feel bad. Well, I even hate saying that because I'm like, <laughs> she, they can't make me feel bad about myself. <laughs> See, I like do this to all the time to myself where I'm like, nope, they can't make me do that. But I have thoughts that I don't like when I'm looking at this person's page and they're they're not a bad person at all. Mm-hmm. But when I sit and compare myself, I don't like the person I'm being mm. when I see that. And so I unfollow them or I, I mute them for a time. And a lot of times I've come back and followed that person again later. Yeah. But just even doing that, right? Muting and unfollowing can be very powerful. Oh my <laughs> very gosh. Very yes. powerful. So these, are, these are boundaries yes. in the age of yes. social media. Oh these my are gosh, boundaries. yes. Okay, so boundaries are freaking hard to do. In real life and not on social media. So I can't imagine like, (laughs) okay, now we need to apply this to our phones. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah, but that makes sense though. And that is an awareness of yourself. Yes, absolutely. I really wanted to go to the dance. I didn't get asked. It's going to hurt every time I see a picture. I'm going to live. It's going to be fine. I just don't want to like be sad every time I see a picture about it. Yes. So and I guess, I and that's a case where you can change your circumstance yeah. a little bit. Wait, right? And you're bringing like awareness too, because you're saying, hey, you, I recognize that you have a pain over this thing. Let's protect that. Like yeah. it's okay that you have a pain over it, oh, but let's yeah. not inflict more pain. So we're going to... F- we're going to fill her about not going to the dance and let, like the night that the dance happens, that's going to be a hard, like we know that's yeah. hard, right? Like I feel for your sister because I also didn't get asked to a dance and that was really difficult at that time, but layering it with social media. So what you're saying is you're yes. like, that hurt's going to be there. Let's create boundaries around that hurt until we feel better about it. So yes. And I think you bring up such a, a good point of we layer pain all the time because she she did so good I'm so so proud of her (laughs) because she really was so good and she she had her birthday party that night so that she wasn't thinking about it and she Mm. invited like a different group of friends and it was really good fun go sis yes yeah awesome but she also could have been thinking about it that whole time and spiraled herself down and she could have been thinking about all the dance pictures that were there she could have gone and looked at all of them still, even if those people were muted, right? Yeah. She still, she could have layered that pain and brought that upon herself, but she chose not to. And so often we have this pain that's here, right? We're, again, we're angry at our husband or something. Mm-hmm. And then we sit and ruminate on it and mm-hmm. ruminate on it. And then we think about all the other times mm-hmm. that we yeah. were mad at him and we layer that pain and it becomes deeper and harder and yeah. harder to pull ourselves out of. Yeah, yeah, totally. Right. We do that all the time. Yeah. 
And so that's another reason why thoughts can be so important because if we can stop those thoughts in their tracks instead of layering more painful Mm -hmm. thoughts on top of each other, layering more negative emotions on top of each other that aren't necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of times the the beginning ones are necessary or can can be very helpful. Yeah. Right? Wanting, Wanting to see a change in your marriage and putting that work in or you know if if something sad happens like we want to feel that grief that sadness but we don't have to make ourselves miserable in the process we can feel Mm -hmm. that initial negative emotion without layering these other emotions on top of it and usually those end up being like self-pity and guilt and shame and just really ugly emotions that never serve us Mm -hmm. sometimes those other ones can be very helpful and lead mm-hmm. to really good healing things but shame shame is one that just never does it yeah. never does and so often that's what we start layering yeah. on top yeah what's your experience with shame in teenagers <laughs> oh my goodness it it's just always there <laughs> it's really? always there yes like because they just and and maybe i'm speaking more from experience than anything else because shame is definitely one that that I fight a lot. I still mm-hmm. fight a lot. That kind of is my, it's been my my go-to. Mm, yeah. uh, that's, I start to feel like everything's wrong with me and I'll never, mm-hmm. I'll never get it right. And it's, it's that perfectionism. And I think everyone has, everyone is a perfectionist. Like we talked about the all or nothing thinking, that's perfectionism. And we all do that. Yeah. We, all do that and I'm an actually a perfectionist like what you think of as a perfectionist like that's my personality anyways <laughs> but no all of us have that we all yeah we all beat ourselves up and we add this layer of shame that it removes us from other people mm-hmm. and it removes it, it removes relationships and connection and connection and vulnerability. If you guys are familiar with Brene Brown, oh, I yeah. love Brene Brown. Point so line. I'm like pulling her in right now. Connection and vulnerability. She said that that's the things that bring you out of shame. Mm-hmm. But when you're piling that shame on, you get further and further from those two things. And so yeah. you, you dig yourself into this pit that you can't crawl out of until you realize what's going on. And I think that's, that's one of the best things about the model, in my opinion, is just mm. the awareness. Because mm-hmm. yeah. if we can go, oh, like this is why I'm getting these results because I'm thinking this thought. Yeah. All of a sudden, everything changes. Even if you don't do the work to actually change your thought, if you can just go, oh, I'm doing it again. Mm. There you know, it is. That, yep, exactly. There mm. it is. There's that coming up again. Mm. Yeah. That alone is so powerful and can can bring about change. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Learn Learning and understanding uh, just – my biological wiring or like just human biology has helped me so much because it does it takes it me out of that well I'm a freaking idiot <laughs> you know I'm just like oh th- this is a natural uh reaction to this circumstance mm. or like oh yeah yes. human beings do this yeah you know and so it 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 does instead of making it about me and my personal failures it it ties me to humanity and I'm like oh Mm-hmm. humans do this and you can have I'm so much human. more compassion for yourself yeah and I think so one thing I actually teach parents is some brain development because that brings about so much compassion if they can just understand okay this is what's going on in a little bit like yes we have control over our over our thinking and our actions but there's also some biology yeah behind why we do what we do well and teens are their prefrontal cortex yes isn't fully formed yet no it's not and that's that's just knowing the brain yes (laughs) yes exactly And, and it's there and it works but it's just it's not developed enough which means it's not as strong and it's not as fast yeah right it's an old computer it needs the update right to be to be more accurate and be yeah. So and instead, our limbic that system happens, is kicking yes. in faster than our yes, exactly. Mm. And that's why teens are so emotional is because literally the emotional part of their brain is controlling them because that is what's that's what's fully developed. That's what's fully working. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they naturally fall back on is this emotional side of your brain. That that, that that's why doesn't that yeah. bring so much compassion to go? Oh, 
okay, what I really love about what you said about that is if you can explain to parents in like this kind of survival state, right? Because they're like, I'm in charge of this teenager yes. and they're out of control and mm. or, or I'm worried for their mental health. Like if you can teach them like, oh my goodness, look at their biology, look at what their brain is doing. Now, now it's not like, oh, I'm so- you just took them out of, I'm such a bad parent. I'm failing as a parent. Yes, I'm the worst mom. Absolutely. This is all my fault. Like you just took them out of their shame. Mm-hmm. And then, and at, and simultaneously taking the child out of their shame. Like, yes. It's not your fault, bro. Oh, You're I love that. I love that. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, it's really helpful just to like, knowledge is power, right? And absolutely. like understanding that biology, I think it, do, it allows us to step out of our shame. And I just think as a mom, I have this seven-year-old, he's the old, he's almost eight. And the way he pushes boundaries and I'm just like, ooh, ooh, like, I don't know. Like <laughs> yeah. if they, if, you know, thinking about him, like having access to like keys in a car and being mad and storming out or like being out with friends later, like that is really scary. That's mm-hmm. so scary because you have like this little human being that like they're part of your heart and they're existing out mm-hmm. in the world outside of you and, and that's so, why we want that control yes, right is yes it's absolutely out of love it is so Hands out of down. love it and that's like, what makes it so hard yeah yeah and just being able to say like hey mom hey dad like it's not your fault like mm-hmm. and and they're gonna be okay we just need to be able to give some tools for them to like tuck in their back pocket yeah yeah and i think knowing that then you can work with their brain instead of against yeah. it because right mm-hmm. now you're just fighting against it because as adults, we think, we literally think differently because we have that prefrontal yeah. cortex that's fully up and running. Yeah. Yeah. Teens cannot think the way we think, and that's okay. Yeah. But we can now use it because if if we can think of, okay, what, what kind of situation is going to bring out that emotional brain in our child and have this discussion with them beforehand when, when that limbic system, when their amygdala is cooled down, when it's yeah. when it's not really on, when it's not really thinking, if we can talk about that, then that means the prefrontal cortex is up and running and going. Mm-hmm. Again, it's okay. still slower, but if we can talk about that, if we can talk through situations like, okay, here's here's an idea of what we can do, right? Taking away that decision fatigue, because when when we have decision fatigue as, as teenagers, our amygdala is what kicks in, and so that's what makes our decisions, and so. If we can make decisions beforehand, if we can talk through situations mm. beforehand, mm. we've used the prefrontal cortex. Yeah. And then what we've done is we've we've put that memory into the hippocampus, which is back in the limbic system, mm-hmm. right? Back in the back part of your of a teen's brain that is already developed and fully working at that age. Yeah. Mm. So it, w- that's working with their brain. Yeah. Right? Okay. Going through a situation using the prefrontal cortex, but then putting it back here. So when the emotional situation arrives, yes, the amygdala is k- kicked on, but so has the hippocampus that stores yeah. memories. Because now it can come on and go, I made this decision already. Yeah. They're not using the prefrontal cortex, but they don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that example of not being asked to a dance, the difference of helping navigate that with the teen is not to wait until the night of the dance to give them yes. a pep talk mm-hmm. or like love or something. It yeah. would it would be, hey, this event is coming up that we know we're upset or emotional yep. about or not loving. And so that conversation that you had had about like muting or unfollowing mm-hmm. or this like boundary talk, the idea of the dance would be we'll have this talk about boundaries well before the dance so that when the night comes the teen having these unemotional talks where they're yep. not in their limbic system so now it's friday night on the dance the teenager maybe has some feelings, feelings or something yeah, coming yeah. up like maybe they're getting upset about something but then that's when you're saying their hippocampus is able to mm-hmm. come on as well as their amygdala yep and they're able to say we had a plan i have a little bit of power in this yep. like it, it doesn't have to be my fault because I are like somewhere in mm-hmm. here. I know that I have power for boundaries. So it's yes. like going into. So what I hear you saying is going into situations as the adult with the fully formed brain, we can maybe kind of guess what would be emotional or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then having conversations beforehand. And that's yeah. where we're going to get into the hippocampus. Yes. Is what you said. Yeah. That's where that's where our memory is stored. None of us want to be talked to and 
logicked through. Yeah. While we're emotional. Yeah. Mm. Yep. It didn't work when we were with our toddlers. Yeah. Doesn't work with my toddlers. It yeah. Doesn't work for teens, and it doesn't work for us uh-uh. either. Yeah. No way. Tell yeah. me right? to calm down when I'm upset. Come I at dare me. you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Come at me, Missy. <laughs> I am not a nice person when I'm emotional. Sure. I'm so sorry to my family. Yeah. <laughs> I am not, though. But we we don't like it now. But we have fully formed brains and we still don't like it. Sure. So yeah. what makes that any different with a teenager? It's worse for them. Yeah. Mm. Circumstantially, it is harder because mm-hmm. they don't have that fully formed brain yet. Yeah. And mm. that's just that that is a fact. Yep. Right. Yeah. That is a circumstance. But we can work within that. And it works for all of us if we can if we can do that with our toddlers. Mm-hmm. If we can do that with ourselves, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, an example of, again, we're mad at our husband. We know our husband's coming home and we're mad. Yeah. Okay. Before we get mad, what are we going to do, right? If that is a tool that works for anybody, mm-hmm. for yeah. any age, with any age child, mm-hmm. not using our emotional brains allows our our prefrontal cortex allows the logic and the long-term thinking mm-hmm. and the the consequences that's another part that the prefrontal cortex does is it it anticipates and understands consequences mm. and so if we can do that beforehand while we're using that part of our brain there you can actually do something yeah, yeah. right oh, where you just can't okay. because so our amygdala sense. kicks on too yeah right we have emotional times where our prefrontal cortex mm-hmm. is not working yeah. our amygdala is has the reins yeah so this is like when you you say something before you think because like you're in that emotion and Mm -hmm. you're like and the emotion rules you can go to hell and you're like oh i didn't i didn't think about the consequence i didn't think about how that was going to impact and looking back you're like oh my gosh i cannot believe i did that because now you're thinking from the front part of your brain yeah Mm. so you you literally cannot anticipate the consequence when you're in that yes that uh, fight or flight yes or that emotional brain and as adults, we have a little bit more, the amygdala is really, really strong, mm-hmm. but our prefrontal cortex is too. Mm-hmm. And so we have a little bit more control, right? How many times have we gotten really upset and then gone, okay, I, I don't want this to end the way I know it would end if I yes. continued. If I continued, yeah. exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah. But teens don't have that. Yeah. So the, the prefrontal cortex is where our consequences, our decision-making, and all of that is stored. Yeah, which like is, long-term thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's so, all in the front. So and that's our, our last thing to develop. So our brain develops back to front. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so that's, the, that's literally the very last thing. That's like your last layer before like your skull at the front of your head. Okay. And that's like where we want to be, right? Yes. Like this is like yes. where I want to be. And so if when we're younger in that brain development, is it kind of like actually what you're doing is you're training your prefrontal cortex earlier? Does that make like, because like yeah, if you're, you, if you're shutting you down your amygdala, like because like, because, okay. I feel like I have spent so much of my life in my amygdala that like really learning and trusting my prefrontal cortex has been difficult. Mm-hmm. But do you think that if I like when I was younger, had I done less living in my amygdala and more in my hippocampus, then my prefrontal cortex would have been stronger and more prepared as I got old. Does that make sense? Yeah, because I mean, you're still making connections in your brain. Like there's still neural wiring and connections going on in the front. There still is. Our our prefrontal cortex still works. So absolutely. Like if we're if we're making those connections, those connections don't go away. Okay, now our brain's fully developed. It, it absolutely can be stronger because and now you you're already relying there yeah so even though right? the prefrontal so cortex now that's your natural your natural state is okay i'm going to use my prefrontal cortex i'm yeah. going to use that long-term thinking i'm going to to take a minute yeah. to breathe to think through things before yeah i actually act yeah it's almost as if you're like saying to a teenager as you're teaching them this where it's like hey like this prefrontal cortex is is what we want to access and so if we can prepare mm-hmm. beforehand we're going to come out of that with less shame or less regret. Yeah. Um, Which then ultimately, as you get older, if you're 40 and you're dealing with less shame and less regret, Mm -hmm. it's like naturally. It's it's less to unlearn. You've changed your circumstances. Right. It's it's less to unlearn if we've already learned how Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. use our prefrontal cortex, if we learned how to think through things and to look at things from an unemotional state. Like that's that's part of – 
the yeah. model too, right? Where we, okay, what's our circumstance? That we have to take the emotion out of that yeah. and go, okay, what is the actual circumstance? Mm. What is the thing that that it, that is happening that, and, and then what is the meaning that I'm giving it, mm. right? We're using, okay, what's our prefrontal cortex? And then we're going back to the amygdala. Mm. And then we're going back to the prefrontal cortex mm. where we, okay, let's pick a new thought, right? So that we can go back to the amygdala and have an emotion that moves us in the direction we want to go, mm. right? We're using both parts of our brain because both are really important. Emotions are so important, right? That's what drives our yeah. actions. Yeah. We have to have those emotions. Yeah. But we can use the prefrontal cortex to tell our amygdala, okay, this is the emotion I want to feel so that we can actually act in the way we want to act. Mm, We're using yeah. both parts of our brain. We need both of them. They're both really good parts. Yeah. But we need them to work together, not yes. against one another. Yes. And it, it's now that you know that, it's, okay, now I can. Mm. I know how to get them to work together. I know how to how to prepare myself in advance. I know how to prepare my kids in advance yeah. because now I'm working with my brain, yeah. not having my brain literally fight against each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I I feel like this has been such an incredible lesson. I feel like I'm like taking so much from it. And at the same time, I know that just because you know how the process works doesn't mean you don't feel the feelings. Mm. Nope, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> I like I'm still fighting myself all the time and like I guess that's the good thing, right? Is I'm still learning and getting better at this and finding new ways that work for me and and then honestly, I, I think one of the most important things you can teach your kids is, is just to be vulnerable. And that starts with you being vulnerable with them oh. of going, oh, okay, now that I know what's happening in my brain, I can show you, okay, I'm, I'm working through this right now. Yeah. Right? And part of, part of being vulnerable is apologizing to your kids. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so, so hard. Yeah. So hard. But if, if your teens can see that of, if, if your kids of any age, like last night, I was very emotional and I was just done and I was, I was so angry at my kids, especially my three-year-old. We butthead so much and they went to bed with me like yelling at them and I hated it. I hated it. And so the first thing this morning I went and I took my three-year-old aside and I sat him on my lap and I said, I'm so sorry, mommy yelled at you. I'm so sorry I did that. I'm working on it. I got really angry and I'm going to do better. Mm. And because then right after that, he goes, Parker, sorry too. Right. (laughs) Which is so cute. And then I'm like, oh, you sweet boy. Because he was totally being a pill. Right. And, And he knows it, but he also sees me all the time more than I'd really like to admit going and apologizing to him and going, I'm still working on things. But what a powerful thing to show your teens. Mm -hmm. And it takes away a bit of that perfectionism Mm -hmm. of I see, I I see where I'm messing up and I acknowledge it. And okay, this is what I'm doing to try and make it better because now you've given your teens permission to do the same. Oh yeah. And to, to take responsibility, to take ownership of, of what they're choosing to do. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think that that helps eliminate some of the shame, too, because instead of being like, wow, I really am a piece of crap. Look how miserable I'm making my parents, mm. you yeah, know? So yeah, when the parent seriously. can take responsibility, like, man, I did not show up the way that I wanted to, and you didn't deserve to be talked to like mm. that. You know, whether you are following my directions or not, I don't like that that's the way I showed up. Yeah. And so um, I think that that can help, yeah, our teenagers and, and our next generation, like, learn that, like, okay, maybe it's not all my fault. Or like, maybe I'm not such a piece of crap. Like maybe yeah. I, I think it maybe inspires a little bit of hope. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. When you, when you can apologize. Yeah. Oh, and again, it gives them the permission to do the same. Yeah. yeah. Teaches them and how. To, yeah, yeah. To, exactly. It teaches them how because have we we tell our, our littles, right? Like you need to say sorry. You need to say thank you. But are we doing that yeah. so much? Right. I mean, hopefully we're like at least saying please and thank you. Probably most of us are pretty good at that. But like saying sorry. Yeah. How good are we at that? Yeah. Probably not so much. Probably not as good as we'd like to be. Yeah. Yeah. We teach our kids to do it with every little thing. But I I think we all know like kids learn best by example. Yeah. And that doesn't change when they're teenagers. Mm -mm. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so if we can start doing that, that's a really powerful thing for them to learn. And to take ownership of what is theirs to own. Mm, yeah. Because, again, that's where change happens, right? It's recognizing, okay, this this was on me a little bit. Yeah. You know, but recognizing in a way that 
that's not shame because they probably know yeah I don't I should not have talked to my parents that way I don't like that I did I don't like that we got in another fight Mm -hmm. but they're not gonna say that Mm -mm. no they're they're not gonna say that but if we can if we can start teaching them that that's good then they're they're recognizing okay this was my fault and taking the shame out and having it be Jody Moore calls it clean pain shame is really dirty pain meaning it doesn't it doesn't lead to to the actions and results that we want it to yeah where clean pain yeah clean pain is really good we need that clean pain right that that's those emotions that those negative emotions that we need that drive us to do the the things that we want you know that's they help us make changes yes like yes like I don't like that I did that so I can do x y and z about it yes where shame shame leads to no change it, it makes things worse yeah usually so yeah. clean pain if we can show our kids clean pain of remorse not shame mm-hmm. those are two very on the surface they're very similar mm-hmm. but they they're completely different they're completely different yeah. because yeah, they lead to such exactly exactly yeah. they might start from the same place yeah from the same incident but yep absolutely different I love that so much because I feel like as a parent I what I want is to have no pain I want you to live a pain-free life I want you to grow up and feel loved and joy and accomplish all the things that your little heart desires and so as a parent I think I need to eliminate all pain from their (laughs) lives and and this is my responsibility and my desire but what you just showed me was that like Actually, pain is inevitable. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so what kind of pain do I want to teach them to work yeah. with? The kind that isolates them or the kind that they can learn and grow from? Yeah. And if you can start showing them that, then they're also, I think one of the best things you can do for your kids is help them identify their emotions. Help them yeah. see that emotions are okay. Validate their emotions because every emotion we feel is completely valid. The anger they feel towards you is valid. The anger you feel towards them, also valid. Yeah. Right? And probably the thoughts and actions may not be like, the actions our, our, our teens take if if they're angry or being reckless, right? Probably not the actions we want, but the emotion behind it mm-hmm. is always valid. Yeah. Always valid. Yeah. And if we can let them... I think one of the hardest things I've learned and the best things I've learned is how to actually feel my feelings. Yeah. Not go on social media. And so I, I think that's actually part of the problem with social media too is that we we use it as a buffer oh. to push down. I know I do. Yeah. I know every teen I've worked with does. Yeah. We use it as a buffer to push down the emotions we don't want to feel. But the problem with that is emotions literally stay in our bodies. Yeah. And until we can actually release them, until we can feel through them, they're going to be there Mm -hmm. and they're going to get bigger and harder and heavier. Mm -hmm. So if we can sit and feel like literally just sit and feel, I'm a human feeling anger. It's okay to feel angry. Anger feels like this in my body Mm. and let that, you're not going to die. I promise you're not going to die. It feels like it It is the worst. It's so hard, but we've been taught to push them down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because we're we're trying to avoid pain. Yeah. We don't want to feel pain. But until we can we can let that pain go in whatever way that comes, we can't feel the other stuff either. Everything's mm. like numbed down. Yeah. We have to feel the emotions. Be a human feeling. I feel anger. I feel resentment. I feel frustrated. I feel annoyed. Yeah. Right? That's when I feel a lot. Yeah. I feel annoyed and just, okay, I need to go take a minute. Right. Even showing our kids that like mom needs to go take a minute. Yep. I need to go feel my feelings, get it out so that I can come back and show up as the parent I want to be. Mm, Yeah. As the wife I want to be, as the friend I want to be. Mm, Yeah. It makes such a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Missy, you're doing such incredible work. People are listening and they're like, wow. I need some Missy in my life, or I would love to talk more to her. Um, how? What do you offer, and where can people find you? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm really just on Instagram. I, like, repurpose my content on Facebook, but I'm not really on there. So Instagram is where to find me. <laughs> I'm at the Missy Allred, so just my name. Um, I have one-on-one spots right now, 
And then I have a depression workbook. It's just a 10, 11, 12 page book somewhere in there. And it's $27. And it's just a short workbook to walk you through when you're going through depression. And honestly, it applies really well to anxiety too. Here's some things you can do because when you're really in the thick of that, it feels impossible, right? It it feels hard enough to get out of bed, Mm -hmm. let alone make any changes to your mind, Mm -hmm. right? That alone is so hard. And so it's really small bite-sized pieces to get you, just get you up and going again. So like one, one of the things I talk about in there is ladder emotions. Going from depressed to happy is really hard, yeah. right? Mm. Even even if if you're not depressed, if you're just like sad or angry to happy or content, like that feels like a really big jump. Yeah. And when you're in the middle of of depression, it it feels insurmountable, insurmountable. Yeah. And so latter emotions are working up to just the next the next level of emotion up. So instead of instead of depression or hopelessness to to happiness or joy or just contentment, we can go, okay, I'm feeling depressed to I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I don't know, I can't think lonely. of anything now. <laughs> yeah, lonely. So, yeah, something like that. Like just whatever you feel down. like is like the next. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Going going from, from depression to one of those is way easier than jumping all the way up to the yeah. top. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're, yeah. we're just going so one rung up the ladder. Yep. Yeah. Because then we can pick a thought that, okay, what makes me sad? What makes me lonely instead of depressed, right? We can we can work up those thoughts little by little. And maybe you're working or, you know, maybe you just need to go watch a sad movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Taking some action that way. A sad movie is getting you to actually do something, yeah. right? So just just working up little by little. That's one of the things I talk about in there. So this depression workbook, it's $27 because I just want it to be something that anybody can get and it just gives them that that first step up, that little bit of a boost so that then they can keep going and get the deeper help however however they need to do that. I'm so excited for this. I've been working on this for months and it's kind of just been in my head as a half-formed idea for a long time. So I'm calling it Teen 101 and it's – I talked to – dozens of friends and family members and pulled it on my Instagrams and just asked people, what would you go back and tell yourself mm-hmm. as a teenager? What do you wish you mm-hmm. knew? And mm. so I combined it into, it, it was six basic things mm-hmm. that people said over and over and over and over again. And so that's that's what this course Fun. is, is the six things that every adult wants you to know and wishes they knew. And then using tools to get you there. I love it. I'm seriously okay. so excited about okay. it. Like, I have so, so excited. much elation in my body right now. I feel like that is the work, girl. You're doing it. Okay, that's amazing. Yeah, that's I'm so excited. So that's a, it's a six week group coaching program. So it's it's like some journaling pages mm-hmm. and a course, and then weekly group coaching calls, and then there's kind of like a side part of this for parents, and it's the three things that I keep hearing that teens want their parents to know, want their parents to understand. Yeah. So they have their, it's just like, it's that part's pretty short. It's just like one little module basically. And then there will be a group coaching call for parents to come in and work through the stuff we talk about in there. Yeah. Fun. Oh, that is awesome. Okay. So you probably know that's like our thing too, right? That's what we ask. We ask all of our guests like, okay, like tell us your story. What have you been through? Okay. Now after all of these experiences and everything you know go back and tell yourself that young like that thing that you need to hear and so I would love if you would share with us what that is for you you have more power than you think you have more power than you think there's so much more in your control than you think there is and that's for me that's that's working on your mind but it's also making choices in your life that's that's one thing that's in the course is you can change your mind Oh, if I had understood that as a teenager, because so I, I really am a perfectionist, you guys. So in, in sixth grade, in sixth grade, I started looking at college majors and, and how much tuition was and wow, okay. what I needed to do to make sure I could pay for college and the different um, scholarships that I could get so I could pay for like sixth grade. Wow. Yeah. And I just felt like this weight of, I have to know what I'm doing for the rest of my life. 
And I saw it a lot when I did my internship back at the high school of like, oh, I have to make this decision. What if I make the wrong decision? Yeah. Like, no. Oh my gosh, you can change your mind. You can change your mind in high school. You can change your mind in college. Change your major. Go for it. You can change your mind in your career after a year or two or, you know, when you're 43, go change your mind. Go try something totally different. And it, it could be career. It could be just interests yeah you know maybe yeah. you've you've been a musician your whole life but i really want to go try softball i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> the sure. first thing that came to yeah. mind yeah yeah right go try it like yeah there are no rules there are no rules for how your life is supposed to go and for the timeline it, that it needs to be in mm-hmm. you get to choose that and you get to choose the way that you think about that too because yeah. that that's just the thought of like my life has to be this way yeah this is the right oh i picked this now i have to stick with it and you can be successful you know, you, you can have a completely successful, thriving career and decide, I want to go do this now. Yeah. Right? Success is no determinant of, of change. It doesn't matter. And you could go be mm. successful at a new thing too. Yeah. yeah. You, you have so much power over your life. Mm. You just have to recognize where it's coming from and yeah. what is in your power. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Preach, girl. <laughs> oh, Missy, you're amazing. We just want to share a big thank you to everybody who helped make this episode possible. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Drop into our DMs. You can find us on Instagram at I totally relate pod. Or you can share your feedback and insights with us at I totally relate pod at gmail.com. We totally want to get to know you. See you next time. Peace out.